We are so excited that this latest message from Truth Movement Church can meet you where you are today. This message from TMC will help you to apply the truth of God's word to your everyday life. It's practical and powerful. Enjoy his word. Genesis chapter 41, we're going to continue dealing with, uh, I guess, parts of the story of Joseph. Chapter 41, verse 50, the NLT version. Y'all ready to put in some work this morning? Yes. That wasn't very good. That was draggish. That wasn't good. Are you ready to put in some work this morning? Yes. There we go. Um, we're not going to read it just yet. Um, I just want you to sit there. I think I, I, I pushed you past your scripture, you know, capacity. Yes, last week we read a lot of scriptures, so this week we're just going to talk for a bit and um, use our our focal text as a reference. We'll get to it at some point. Um, last week, um, the key takeaway, and I hopefully you wrote this down, but our emotions are trying to tell us something important about us that we need to listen to. Okay. Um, our emotions are trying to tell us something about us, very important that we need to listen to. <clears throat> and as I kind of dealt with that, I guess that phrase um, in, in, in my heart and in my mind, it took me back to being uh, an early Christian when I really had first given my life to Christ. I had been in church all my life, and I really got serious about it right when I got married or so. And um, I was going to church. I was even working in church and doing these different things. And I told myself, and people say this all the time, it's like, I'm not for worship. I'm just there for the word. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't like worship. I just want some good word. I, I, or someone's like, I like wor- I, I like the word and I don't want worship or I want worship, I don't want the word. But I chose or I told myself that I was one of those people who didn't need worship. And it was because I felt something during worship that I could not process. Mm-hmm. I, and I didn't necessarily like the feeling. So what I would do, I would send her off to church early and I would come late when, 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 when at the time Bishop was getting up. And I would sit there and get good word. I, I love being taught, but I, I would bypass the worship because I could not process the feeling down inside of me. So a few years later, um, you know, time passed, and I did this for several years. A few years later, um, I, I get an opportunity to go to manpower. And on the first night there, my father was amping me up the whole time. He's like, dude, it's going to be crazy. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be lit. Is that right? It's gonna be lit, man. You ain't never seen nothing like this. So we get to manpower, and I'm, you know, there's a bit of excitement inside of me, and I get there, and it's thousands upon thousands of men. And as soon as the first lick is hit on that snare, these men start going nuts. They just let themselves go. They cry and falling out on the ground. It got so heavy in there, men had to be carried back to their rooms. They were so slain in the spirit, they had to be carried back to their rooms. But I'm standing in this environment, and I said to myself, that's what I was feeling. Mm. I didn't know it until I saw it. I didn't know that my spirit always wanted that. My spirit always wanted to pour out to my father. And I didn't know that I wanted to have an emotional connection with the God in heaven that he desires to have with me. But I, had, I, I pushed it off, and I fitted it away for several years until I saw it in someplace else. And I said to myself, myself, this is what you always wanted. I remember. He could tell you. We sat next to each other. We just cried the whole time. We just boo-hoo cried. I mean, thousands of men just cried and opened themselves up in a way that I had never seen before. And that emotional breakthrough for me released 
a love for God that I never knew I had. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It birthed a preacher out of me. Mm -hmm. it, it, it turned me into a better husband. Mm -hmm. It turned me into a better father. Just because I had an emotional breakthrough, and this was several years ago. Listen, I was already good to her, but I turned into like Superman when I came back from that thing. That is true. That is true. But listen to me. Your emotions will block blessings in your life. Mm -hmm. And that is why, this, listen to me, and I give you this opening for this purpose. This work that we're doing today and, and last week, it is extremely important. It is, it is so powerful because I did not know the experience that I could have with her could be so great. But it, it, it took me having an emotional breakthrough before my father. Pouring myself up before my father. Check me out, y'all. I love worship. Now, for the past several years, I haven't been able to get into worship because I'd be working the board. <laughs> but the moment I can get into it, oh, you better hang it up. Because, listen, I learned something. There is something there for me emotionally when I let myself up before my father. I saw men doing it the way they had them. But I'm not going to steal her thunder because you're going to talk about this. But we're only taught a couple emotions as men. You can only have two. And in, 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 in the realm of worship, those two emotions don't work. Mm. Mm. Gosh, the work that we're doing in the, in the series, and, and specifically these past couple weeks, will turn your life around. True. True. In a powerful way. So we're going to push. I gave you one point last week. We're going to recap that one point. We have three more. And then I, we're just going to leave it with you. We're going to spin you around and send you out <laughs> into the world <laughs> and let you get to it. Amen? Amen. Let's do it. Amen. I think he put the, one of the points he was making that we have to make sure we do is make sure that you do the work. Like being entertained in this moment is one thing. Enjoying this moment, enjoying this message is one thing. But there is work that has to be done with it. And anytime you're dealing with, like, me type of work, like, it's good to know how to deal with you. But when I got to learn how to deal with me, that's some work. So sign on to be willing to do the work. Last week, we got our one point, and he promised he was going to give us the rest of them this week. But our, our one point last week, does anybody remember it? Good stuff. Well, somebody was at church. Emotional distractions. And it's the things that we use to keep us from having to deal with our own emotions. And I, it's, it's one of those ways of us just kind of tucking, tucking it away. And I don't think that it is, and it is as intentional as we think, which is why we have to do the work. Because it's very easy when something is, um, something is going on or you're, you're, you're processing a different emotion, being a good one or a bad one, because life keeps moving. Sometimes it doesn't give you the chance to really have to take the time to deal with it. So we'll tuck it in something and then just keep it moving. Or you, there, there is a loss or there is a hurt. But life keeps going. And it's easier for me to tuck it into my motivation and just keep it moving. That's good. Or, you know, um, a loss of a job, a loss of a spouse, a loss of a loved one. And things are just going. I don't have time to sit to deal with this, but I'm motivated by the, the feeling that I have. So now I've renamed this pain motivation and I just keep on going past it. I use it as fuel, but I never really take the time to really get a chance to deal with it. Or we tuck the emotion, we can be distracted by another emotion. Because if I take the pain that I'm dealing with and I focus on that and allow that to distract me from the pain that I'm causing, then I never really get to process all of it. I give myself credit for working through my pain. Emotional distractions. When I was hearing Pastor Wanzel talk about it, and he was talking about when we don't deal with them, the damage they can cause. Because it causes us to be reckless. 
And this is what happens when, like he, was, he used the example of our huge gaping hole in our tire that we were riding around on. But had we not stopped to deal with it, we could have hurt ourselves, we could have hurt someone else. And that is the importance of making sure that we don't allow ourselves to get emotionally distracted. <laughs> that was supposed to be her point in her own. I, I was supposed to get in, but listen, I'm driving to church today, right? And it's raining. You guys experience raining on the way to church? Thank you for still coming. That's a blessing. Give yourselves a hand. For still yeah, coming. still coming. But as I'm driving, um, and I told myself, Wanzel, don't bring this up in the sermon because it's not. This is not your point. <laughs> But I'm driving, and so, so you look at the word dis, distraction. You put, you know, you break it down in syllables, distraction. It, 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 it pulls away from the thing that it's tracted to. Mm. So I'm driving down the road today, and it was raining. And, I'm, and this is just me now. It's raining, and there's an element that is a little different, but typically I'm eating, I'm doing a variety of things while I'm driving, but it's raining, it started raining really hard. And I could feel... <laughs> She was doing her makeup. She was distracted. Too. You don't have to tell on me. We weren't even talking about me. It's all right. We were together. You weren't even talking about me. I wasn't driving. But as I'm driving, I could feel my car start to hydroplane. This is this morning. I felt it. Now I'm a good driver, and I know what to do in a hydroplane. You just kind of let things go and let it run its course. But because of the, this new thing in my environment, I lost my traction to the road, and I almost lost control. Mm-hmm. When, you, when, when you're emotionally distracted, mm-hmm. it is easy to lose control. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is easy to, to, to go in a direction that you don't want to go because I'm not, I don't have traction. I don't have the traction that I need to stay focused on this loved one. I don't have the traction that I need to stay focused on me. I don't have the traction I need to stay focused on God. Shout distractions. Distraction. You don't want to get distraction and, dis, distraction and pull away from the emotions that are trying to tell you something important about you that's vital to your success in life. Amen. We Amen. teaching good already, girl. Mm-hmm. Okay, go ahead and get another point. You have the first one. Oh, I do. This is a blessing. All right, let's push to the first one, or second one. Our first point for today is emotionally denied. Say that with me. Emotionally. Emotionally. Denied. Denied. Um, we've been dealing with the story of Joseph, um, and I, you know, prayerfully, you just don't take our words for it. You go back and read this stuff. Um, Genesis 34, 35 is kind of where it starts. But um, in Genesis chapter 37, um, Joseph uh, is, has multiple prophetic dreams. I'm just giving it to you. I don't want you to go there. He has multiple prophetic dreams. Um, and in the dream, he is in an authoritative position or a, a, a position of power over his family. Mm-hmm. In his excitement, he goes and tells his brothers about the dream. And he lets them know what happens, and his brothers hate him because of his dream. Mm-hmm. He has another dream. And then, it, again, it's the same dream. It's a prophetic dream that he's going to be in this authoritative position, this position of power. And he goes and tells his father about it. And it says his father rebuked him after he told him the dream. It says that he reprimanded him after he told him the dream. What I, what I want you to... to to pull from this is that because of the emotional limitations and the dysfunction in in Joseph's family, his excitement, his emotions were denied. Mm-hmm. You can't you, 
you're not going to be happy about that because when I, when I show my joy and I express my joy and my excitement about what I feel, I get a different response than I think that I should get, so I just deny myself that emotion. Mm-hmm. Not to say, now watch this now, not to say that the emotion is not there or the emotion is not present. I just deny myself because of you. Here's the power in this. All it takes is one or two life events or one or two emotionally ignorant people for you to start denying yourself of the emotions that are very important to you. You will deny yourself of joy. You will deny yourself happiness. You will deny yourself the opportunity to grieve. You will deny yourself, you know, compassion. You will deny yourself based upon the environment that you're in. And I don't, I'm, I'm going because I want to take your stuff. Go ahead. <laughs> If you listen to the story and Joseph was excited, he went and told his brothers about his dream. His brothers weren't angry that he had a vision. They, were, they felt some kind of way about their position in his vision. So it was a them thing, not a him thing. It was the way that his excitement made them feel that was the actual problem. So because they had an issue with his emotion it robbed him of his opportunity to have an emotion. I learned at a young age, thank you, Jesus, um, the difference between a me thing and a you thing. I remember approaching a teacher once with a picture that I had drawn that I was really excited about, but apparently she was busy or irritated at my approach before I approached, and her response to me was, what? I was able to process in that moment, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. This response was her, not me. But I thank God for being, covering me in that moment. Because what normal situations will do, it would be a shutdown. That it was, I just made you mad. And it will make you calculate the excitement that you have about what you're offering. The thing is, when you allow somebody else's emotion to rob you of your opportunity to have one, It's not that the feeling isn't there anymore. It's just you don't feel okay with having it or expressing it. So things like loneliness or disappointment, those are things that I'm not supposed to have or do, especially men, because men don't really get to have, they only get to really have two. So I don't, I'm not able to express it. So what I would normally do or what people usually do is one of two things. It will cause you to bury the emotion in something else or dress it up as something else that is allowed to be expressed. So because things like loneliness, disappointment aren't allowed to be expressed, I just dress it up as anger because that's an acceptable emotion to express. And that's what leaves people not being able to address emotions because it's not even the actual emotion that you're desiring to address. So when we have those unnamed emotions, they're sitting there. They're still sitting there festering, undealt with. Not only are they undealt with, it's now we don't know how to express them. That's when you ever, you ever see a kid that's trying to do something and they get frustrated and they just throw it. It's like a tantrum. Their reaction is just mad. Yeah. There, there are certain things that connect that with sadness, tears, um, with Happiness, a smile, laughter. There are things that connect. But because we're robbed oftentimes of the ability to express the emotion, the the connections to those reactions aren't made. And they get neglected and undeveloped. One other element that I want to, to, I guess, dive into with this emotion.
emotional denial or, or the fact that we deny ourselves emotions is that when you start to learn to deny yourself emotions, you create a deficit in the people that are doing life with you. Because there's a necessary emotional exchange that has to happen with people that you're in relationship with. So when I deny myself, in turn, I'm denying them their opportunity to, for an example, to, to be excited for me. There's a necessity to have an emotional exchange. And I'll use Jesus as an example in John chapter 11. Um, Jesus is in Jerusalem, and he gets word from Mary and Martha that his friend Lazarus, the one that he loves, is very sick. And Jesus has this kind of like nonchalant response, and he says, the sickness is not unto death. And because he knew the end of the story, Jesus stayed where he was two more days and did not show up at the funeral. Yes? Mm-hmm. Jesus shows up four days late. He gets there, and, and, and Martha comes out and, 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 and to meet Jesus, and she says, Jesus, if you had been here, none of this would have happened. If you would have just responded, everything would have been different. And, and, and Jesus is still playing Joe Cool. He was like, your brother's going to rise again. She says, I know, Jesus, he's going to rise again in the last day, but if you would have been here, none of this would have happened. He says, listen, calm down. Just come, go get Mary and tell her to come here. So Mary comes, and, 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 and she runs, and she falls at the feet of Jesus, and she's all distraught. She's crying. She's, she's, she's overwhelmed with emotion. She falls to the ground, and she says the exact same thing that Martha says. Jesus, if you would have been here, none of this would have happened. And Jesus is standing there, and he looks at her, and, he's, and, and in text says that he is overwhelmed with emotion. He responds emotionally to her, and then he says, listen, girls, show me where he is. So they walk Jesus down to the tomb, and the moment that he sees the tomb of his friend Lazarus, the text says in verse 35 that Jesus wept. For the first time, he sees he has an emotion right there on the spot. But that's not the most most important part. In verse 36, the people around standing watching this situation says, look how much he loved him. Oh, my God. I know Mary and Martha said that they were friends with Jesus and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm, girl, he didn't show up. But now he's here and he shows the emotion. Listen to me. That connects in their mind that he cares. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Listen, forget about the fact that he's about to raise the boy from the dead. The fact that Jesus displayed an emotion and his tears let them know that I actually care. I'm having this emotional exchange with you that is necessary for you to get through this situation. And here's what I gather from that. Men, we can't just be the provider. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I keep a roof over your head. I keep food on the table. But I don't give you anything emotionally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Women, I just can't be Molly Homemaker. I can't just iron his shirts and keep the, the, things, the, the things up off the ground and keep the house clean and do all this different stuff. No, they need something from you emotionally. There is something that will connect you caring in your emotions with them. Mm-hmm. They said, did you see the tears of Jesus? That confirmed, from us that, that confirmed for us that he cares. Jesus was, listen, check me out now, because oftentimes we know what we're doing, we just don't say anything about it. Mm-hmm. We know mm-hmm. what we feel and how we feel, but we don't express it. Yeah. What I'm trying to get you to see is that there is a deficit that you're creating on the other end when you don't express the emotion that you're denying within yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They need to know. They need to hear the words that you love them. 
They didn't, and listen, not just because, but, and, and I'll give you a good example. My father took care of us. There is no doubt in my mind that he took care of us. My father did whatever he needed to do to take care of us. He was in the house with me. But there was never an emotional exchange that benefited me. Mm. I got to experience his two, his two emotions. That The only two emotions that he would show was anger and his lust. And we had to deal with both of them. Now, I was supposed to know that he loved me because he took care of me. But there was a deficit being created inside of me that I needed to know and hear the words that he loved me and I needed to feel his love. There's an exchange that a little baby needs to have. There's an exchange that your wife needs to have. There's an exchange that your husband needs to have. It needs to be obvious and there needs to be some concrete information that they get to know that, listen, I'm in this life event with you and I ain't going nowhere. this exchange. I see these little babies sitting in here and what's so, what's so funny what blows me away is that we don't think that they need that emotional exchange. Oh, Portia just gave you the, uh, the most amazing testimony in the world. I'm not a mother and she can confirm this for me, but that baby can feel that you don't love mm -hmm. it. That baby can feel when you're not pleased. There has to be an emotional exchange with my friends. Listen, <laughs> laugh with me when it's time to laugh. Mm -hmm. Cry with me when it's time to cry. Be happy when it's, when it's time to be happy. Celebrate the kid when it's time to be celebrated. Don't sit there, oh, that's what you're supposed to do. I'm not going to praise you because you didn't get A's. You should always get A's. No, 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 no. I need to Celebrate. applaud you. Yes. Yes. Okay. I, I, I want to, before we go on to the next point, I, I, I feel like, for men, the world do, does owe you an apology because there has only been room for you to express anger. And if you're in a good mood, then you're laughing because if it doesn't go to silly, then you're not happy. There's no room for any other emotion. There's no room for you to be genuinely proud of yourself and excited about something or look forward to something. There's no room for you to experience things like or express feelings of, you know, I, I feel like I missed the mark. I'm a little bit disappointed in myself. or I'm disappointed with the way this situation worked out. Nobody's allowed you guys to have the words for it. Please don't let this day just go past as sermon as usual. Because as Pastor Wanzel said on the receiving end of you, it is needed. And not just in expressing how you love us, but to give us the vocabulary for your minds. Yeah. The vocabulary for where your heart is at. Amen? Okay, let's keep moving. Let's keep moving. Um, I have to check back because I know you go. Okay. <laughs> you can go ahead, go ahead and go to point number three. Let's keep point number three. Y'all learn anything? Well, it's point number three for the day. Yeah, it was third point for the two, day. you know what I mean. So our, our next point, emotional distance. Say that with me. Emotional, Emotional. distance. <clears throat> now to me, this is probably one of the biggest mistakes uh, we can make when it comes to dealing with our emotions. Um, it, is, it is the thought that if I create enough physical space, I won't have to deal with it. If I get far away enough from where the emotion was originated, I'll be fine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So mm -hmm. we'll first try to do it physically. And then the next step is try to do it mentally. I'll make myself forget that it ever happened. Mm -hmm. 
And then the third thing we'll do is chronologically. If I give it enough time, you know, time heals all wounds. But unfortunately, that works for the body and not the mind and the heart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we end up tricking ourselves into thinking that if I give it enough time or I forget about it, it'll go away. The biggest issue with trying to create distance between you and the emotions mm -hmm. that you feel is that when you create distance, um, you leave the emotion unattended. Mm -hmm. And you allow it to grow, and it will latch itself on to the things that are birthed from you. Mm -hmm. mm. I want you to hear this now. When I determine that I'm going to distance myself from this emotion or this feeling, and I'm getting, I'm, for, for Wanza, it was getting out of Syracuse. <laughs> 1,900 miles away. That emotion caught up with me. Mm. And it latched itself to the things that I was trying to birth in that season of my life. It is one of the most debilitating things when your emotions barge them way, its way into your season that you're trying to build something and birth something new. If, it's, if, 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 you, if you create distance, it will, it, will, it will attach itself to your career. If you create distance, it will attach itself to your children. If you create mm -hmm. distance, it will attach itself to the future that you are planning for yourself. If you don't deal with the emotion and create distance thinking that if I just give it enough time, I don't have to deal with it. Or if I just get far away enough, I don't have to deal with it. Or if, or if, if I just stop thinking about it, I forget about it, I don't have to deal with it. If you do that, it will attach itself to the things that you birth, things that come from you. Mm -hmm. I'm talking from the core of you, your creativity, the, the, the essence of your being, the things that you touch. It will attach itself to those things. And that, my friends, is heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. I want you to turn to our scripture for today. Verse 41, excuse me, chapter 41, verse 50. I'm going to put it up on the screen because I know, the, oh, that's on the screen. You can read it, though. <laughs> Verse 41, excuse me, chapter 41, verse 50. During this time, before the first of the famine years, two sons were born to Joseph and his wife, Asnath, the daughter of Potiphar, the priest of On. Joseph named his son Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all of my troubles and everyone in my father's family. Hmm. Joseph named his second son Ephraim, for he said, God has made me fruitful in this land of my grief. Now watch this thing. It has been 15 years since Joseph has seen his family. He's had this, this traumatic experience, this emotional experience with his family, and he creates distance. He goes to, to Egypt, not necessarily by his plan, but he's in, he ends up in Egypt. And even after 15 years, he's still trying to forget what happened to him 15 years ago. Hmm. But now we see the thing that he's trying to forget attaches itself to his son. Watch this now. The boy's name literally, literally means to forget. Manasseh's name, his, his, the origin of his name means to forget. Do you know how awkward that's going to be in Walmart? <laughs> oh, the baby is the, he's so cute. Oh, my goodness. How old is he? He's, only, he's six months. I've never seen a cute baby. What's his name? His name is to forget. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Johnny, get your stuff. Let's go and get. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to me, y'all. 
He spent 15 years trying to separate himself from these emotions and feelings that he had that he did not get an opportunity to, to deal with, but now it latches itself to another generation. The thing that he birthed, it latched itself to it. And that is the danger with trying to forget, trying to get away from it. No, God has called us to deal with our emotions and use them as a tool so that we can find out what's going on in us so that we can secure our future in him. I'm going to say before I go, the sad part to me about that is that Manasseh's name is to forget, but it's to forget an experience that he didn't even have. And when we fail to address our issue, we pass it to our children. But then our children are fighting an unfamiliar fight because it wasn't theirs, it was ours. So we sit in atmospheres like this completely lost and confused on how do I even get back to right when I'm not the one who put me in wrong. If there is ever a motivation to take this message and do the work, let it be so that what comes from you does not have to deal with what you did not deal with. He, the, the, the point of the making the distance and the emotion, it made me think of, you know, everybody, maybe not everybody, sometimes you have that room that it becomes a catch-all. It's nobody's bedroom. Maybe it's a guest room. It just is the room that everything gets put in when it doesn't have a place to be anywhere else. And you just kind of store it in the guest, put it up in the guest room. Go put, put it in the guest room. And after a while, that room gets so cluttered that even the thought of going in there to sort it out is overwhelming. It's like, it's, I can't even work my way through there no more. It's, all, it's, just, it's just packed. It's, it's just too much. So we just pull the door shut. So nobody has to see the mess that has built up in that room. And one day I'm going to get to it, but maybe not today because it's just overwhelming. I don't have enough time. It's, it's going to take me a long time to go through there. I don't have what it takes. So just, just keep the door shut. But now when you actually have guests, they have to sleep on the couch because the place that was actually for them, they can't get to because you're not ready to deal with what you need to deal with so that they can have a space. And then what makes it so bad is because we know that there are things in there that we probably need to get to, I would rather just replace it because I don't want to have to go. I might hurt myself if I go in there and try to find that and figure it all out. But there are people in need of the part that you won't go to. We find ourselves, look, if somebody reached for that doorknob, you're ready to snap their hand, being mad at them like it's their fault for needing what you can't get. Like they're exposing you because they need what you can't offer. They need the place that you closed off. We respond to our children in frustration and anger because they need from you what you were not willing to go through and fight to develop. We can't connect or understand our spouses or our friends and have healthy relationships because they're needy. No, they need what you're supposed to give in a friendship. That's a friendship. Relationships are give and take, but because what you give is limited, you act like they're asking you for too much. It's work that has to be done, and it's not fun. But at some point, you're going to have to turn the knob and go in the space and take the time that it takes to sort through the mess so that it's a usable spot in you. Not just usable for people, but usable for God. You want God to be able to trust broken people with you. You want God to be able to trust his heart with you. But because of all the closed-off spaces and the rooms that you're not willing to, to touch, people will be hurt by coming in contact with the part of you that you don't want to deal with. Mm 
Is it called the next point? My mind goes back to when, when we started dating, and uh, man, she would always tell me, you, you know, she, she liked me because I looked good. <laughs> she couldn't help herself. She just had to stare, right? But she would always tell me, you're so cold. Like, how, how could you say the things that you say? And to me, it was just like the run of the mill. It was just like, this is just who I am. This is just what I do. And I, it, it, it never dawned on me, specifically in that moment, when she would say that, it would make me angry, like one of my two emotions. Mm-hmm. I would revert back to anger because she was calling out the fact that I couldn't extend myself emotionally to have a conversation with her to vet through things that she needed to vet through with me. And I wonder how many of us are, are sitting in this place right now, still in that same position, saying to ourselves, listen, don't you, don't you go there with me. Don't, 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 you, don't, don't, don't go there with me. Because, because for, for multiple reasons, I'm not prepared for it. Mm. I'm not prepared for you to see how dirty it is behind that door. Mm. Listen, I'll show you the rest of the house and you could do whatever you like, but don't go behind that door. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How many emotions have we buried? How many have we let just fester and grow and latch itself on to different areas of our life that people are calling and needing for us to grow in with them? Mm-hmm. So now, right, we talked about Manasseh's uh, origin of his name, and it means what? Forget. Okay, so Joseph names his son Manasseh to forget. So their family reunion takes place. Joseph's family finally gets to Egypt, and his father comes. His brothers are all there. He has 11 other brothers, and they're all in Egypt now. And um, they've been there for a while, and Jacob, who is Joseph's father, is getting ready to die. Y'all follow me so far? Mm -hmm. Um, And he calls, um, or he sends for Joseph, and he says, listen, um, you, you know, your father's getting ready to die. You need to come see him. Um, and bring your two boys with you. So he brings the two boys, Manasseh and Ephraim, um, and they go see his father, Jacob. They get to Jacob, and by the way, Jacob is blind by now. And they get to Jacob, they get into the house, and he calls them over to him. And he, what he wants to do in this moment is to pass on the family blessing and the inheritance. It was, it, was, it, was a, it was a ritual. It was a thing that they did to pass down the blessing. So he calls over um, Manasseh and, and Ephraim to him. And the way that this worked is that the right hand was the, the double portion blessing. And that belonged to the firstborn by birthright. Y'all follow me? Mm-hmm. Manasseh and Ephraim were, were, were twins, but Manasseh came out first. Yes? Mm-hmm. Okay. So he brings the boys over to his father. Joseph brings the two boys over to his father, and he puts Manasseh in his rightful position for the birthright, for the double portion blessing, right, at the right hand. He puts Ephraim in his rightful position by the left hand. Now, just to give you some detail on the, on the double portion and, and, and the single portion, if you want to call it that, you can supersize if you get the double portion, and, and, and then you got to eat off the dollar menu if you just get the regular blessing. <laughs> So he places the two boys, he puts Manasseh at the right hand, he puts Ephraim at the left hand, and when the father gets ready to transfer the blessings to him, he says before he does it, I'm adopting both of these boys as my own. He had the right to do it because he was the patriarch of the family. So that meant that these two boys would get the same blessing as if they were his child. Mm -hmm. 
they would get the inheritance that all the 11 brothers got. It wasn't a secondhand blessing. This was a blessing straight from the source. Mm -hmm. So he brings the two boys. He says, you got that? He says, yes, dad, that's okay with me. Boys, is good with you? Yes. <laughs> he puts the boys in their, in their rightful positions. Right hand belongs to who? Manasseh. Right hand belongs to Manasseh. He gets the? Double blessing. He gets the double portion. Left hand belongs to Ephraim. He gets a single portion. So when the father reaches out, Jacob gets ready to reach out, he crosses his hands. Hmm. And he gives the double portion to Ephraim. And he gives the single portion which belonged to Manasseh. Now watch this. When we bring things before our father that we're trying to forget, mm. how do we expect for him to bless him? Mm. Mm. How do we expect for God to restore something that I'm trying to distance myself from? Mm. Mm. Mm -mm. You see, we'll have a problem with God when he doesn't show up and show out the way that we believe that he should. Mm -hmm. Because, Father, I'm pouring myself off of you. No, you're not. You're still hiding from that thing that you didn't Ooh, deal with Jesus. 17 years ago. Jesus. So bring all of you before me so I can bless you the way that I want to bless you. Because I got a double portion blessing for you if you just Thank open yourself up for me. My God, my God. Y'all, there's work that we have to do. And what's funny is that God gets to blame. Mm -hmm. I, I, I came before God and I showed him me. No, not necessarily. Because we still, we, we still haven't talked about that thing that happened in your childhood. Mm. You won't go back to Syracuse, Wanzel, because you don't want to deal with those emotions and feelings that are up there. Mm. So you're saying that you're bringing everything to me. You haven't brought everything. What about that thing that you're trying to forget? What about that thing you're trying to distance yourself from? God is saying, bring it all to me because I will bless you in ways that you cannot imagine if you just open yourself Jesus, up to me. Jesus, Jesus. He wants to bless you and it belongs, oh God, it belongs to you. The boy didn't get what was rightfully his simply because to forget. What cracked me up, and this is, this is not like a message part of it, but he's standing before the one that he was trying to forget. Mm. At some point, you are going to have to bring this stuff before your father and say, God, this is all of me. It's all me. Now, I know I haven't dealt with it in five years, but God, here it is. Mm. Listen, I know I saw it rise itself up in my mother, and I saw it rise itself up in my sister, but God, here it is. You can't deny your emotions. You, you, you cannot deny your emotions. Let's go ahead and get our last point. That was good. And that's emotionally dead. Emotionally dead. Um, one of the things we love about babies, or I do, is when you hold a baby up and you're talking to a baby and you're just smiling to them, smiles are universal. So they don't have words, but when they see you smile, they smile back. A smile makes a baby smile. Um, as I've told you guys before, I worked for DCF for a while, and um, I remember this, several times this happened, but I remember one specific time I'm holding this little baby up on my legs. This is an infant. And I'm just talking to her and playing with her, and her face is just blank. Now, because I know the reason that I'm in the story, I understand the situation, now don't get me wrong, there are some diagnoses, there are some um, on, the, uh, I know on the autism spectrum that it makes children difficult to emote, I understand that. But that wasn't the case. And as I'm playing with her and I'm smiling at her, 
even in her making baby noises back, she didn't have a smile to offer back. And that's usually a sign that either there was some sort of trauma that shut that down or that child was never offered the interaction that allowed that emotion to develop. And because it was not developed and because it wasn't fed, it died. And when you don't feed something, it dies. When you starve a thing, it dies. Many of us are sitting with different parts of our emotional spectrum that we have allowed to die. And it might not have been at your hand. It could have been that you never got the interaction that developed it. It could have been that something was so traumatizing that it shut it down. Or any of these steps. Maybe you created too much distance. But the result today is some of us in some spaces are emotionally dead. Now, earlier on in the message, Pastor Wanzel brought up Lazarus. And he used that text to discuss and to display his love. But I want to tell you about his power. Because he says to them, show me where you buried it. Like, I get that you're disappointed. And at this point, there's a crowd of people mourning. They are mourning at this sealed tomb. And just like Lazarus, some of us are surrounded by people who are mourning by the sealed tomb of our emotion. Longing for the thing that they want, but they can't get. Longing for the love that they need from you, but can't get. Just around mourning the, the parts of you, the places in you that you can't get because it's emotionally dead, sealed off. And in that day, they sealed tombs. So nothing could get in and nothing could get out. It was protecting the community from the stench of what died inside. But Jesus says, take me where you buried him. Stench don't bother me. Take me where you buried him. I'm not repulsed by the smell of what you let die. Take me to the place that you buried him. And what we know about our Jesus' sealed tombs mean nothing to him. This morning, Jesus said, take me where you buried it. Take me to the spot where it died. Take me to the place where you reconciled that it wasn't coming back. Whether it was your fault or not matters not. I'll push through the mourners. Just get me to the spot. Because what these other people who are crying can't get to because here's the thing is when you get to the place where the 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 plea of your children can't resurrect it and the tears of your wife can't touch it and the longing of your family isn't restoring it Jesus said take me where you buried it because unlike them I have the power to bring back what was dead and it doesn't matter that it's four days past It doesn't matter that it's expired. I still have the power to bring back to life what everybody else has counted dead. Would you stand to your feet? We said in the beginning that hearing this message and being entertained by this message is one thing. But now there is something that you have to do with it. We need you to grab the hand of the Father and walk him to where you buried it. Walk, it to the, walk into the spot where it died. Now we get that that's a, that's a painful thing because you're going to have to turn the knob to the dirty room. 
You're going to have to be very vulnerable and honest with you in order to take him to the spot. I say the, but for a lot of us, there are some. We're going to be taking God through a tour of these places. But he's down for the ride. And he is powerful enough to fix it. He's powerful enough and faithful enough and unbothered by the ugliness of what's going to come out of that room. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we're standing before you completely vulnerable. God, we recognize that putting distance didn't fix it. Denying ourselves the ability to have it didn't fix it, God. Father, you are the only answer. God, for some of us, we can't even find the spot that's broken, God, because it was broken before we were cognitively able to process what happened. But God, you were there. God, we ask you to put your hand over the wounded places. God. So that we can freely love. That we can freely enjoy experiences and blessings that you've given us, God. God, that we will develop a verbiage for the emotions that we have that we do not understand, God. Right here in this moment, God, we lay out before you, just like those on our operating table, say, go in, God, and fix it. God, we recognize that in some surgical procedures, you have to move some things to get to another thing. God, have your way. God, take out the parts that are broken, God. The beautiful thing about you, God, is you don't just make things better, you make them new. God, we ask for newness in our spirits, in our hearts, in our minds right now, God. God, we ask that you forgive us for the damage that we don't know that we caused. God, the, the spaces and people that lacked because of our deficit, God, we ask that you would forgive us. And God, we thank you for covering the spots where we came up short. God, walk us through this process. As we take your hand, God, and we take you to all the spaces of our lives, God, where disappointment stifled our growth, where heartbreak stifled our growth, where abandonment stifled our growth. God, where we didn't have the opportunity to really embrace the emotion needed at the time, God, we take you to those spots, and God, we just ask you to be God. Let your resurrection power, God, breathe life into the things that you planted in us, God. You are the navigator to help us navigate these emotions, this different range that we've gone through, Lord God. Father God, to be able to turn down the noise so that we can hear your voice clearly when it comes to this matter. Father, I thank you now because I know that families are being restored. Relationships are being restored. Friendships are being restored. Households are being restored. There is a mending and healing that's happening beginning right now, God, under the sound of my voice, right now, in the name of Jesus. 
God, I ask, God, that you would cover us under the power and protection of your blood as we walk through this process. God, we recognize any time, anything requires this much vulnerability, the enemy seeks to take advantage. But God, I thank you for covering us through the process. God, I thank you for sending people that cover us through the process. God, I thank you for creating safe places and spaces for us to be able to express emotion, God. As we learn this new place in ourselves, God, I ask God that you surround us with people that we can trust to exercise what you're teaching today. God, I thank you. I thank you for the freedom that takes place because of this message in this moment. And God, I ask God that you would give us the boldness to testify about what you're doing. Binding fear of being held accountable, of walking in who you called us to be. God, I thank you. Dear Lord, I praise you. I honor you. And I count these things as already being done. In your son Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give God a hand clap of praise? Thank you for streaming the latest message from Truth Movement Church. We pray that you found something in God's word that you can deposit into your heart for future use. To stay connected with our ministry, like us on Facebook or Instagram, or learn more about us by visiting www.truthmovementchurch.org.